0: Take your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, a couple things here quick, is anybody missing a pair of glasses? Might be yours, Tina. Tina, that's my guess, I, I, you lose a lot of stuff here at church, amen? All right, you got your keys today, praise the Lord, double check, will you? And... Uh, And then we got a necklace here. Sean. Sean, if it's yours, please don't claim it now. It's got an owl on it. Does that do anything for anybody? All right. We'll be selling this in the bookstore after the service for $19.95. And uh, so if it is yours, you get them from the bookstore. Heather, I'm going to put them back there. And uh, praise the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and uh, folks what a blessing it is to, to have the privilege to grow up in a in a free country um, i'm thankful i got to grow up in a christian home and uh, what a blessing that was i'm thankful i'm able to have a christian home last night my family and i were taking a walk and uh, that was one of those torturous things that my parents did to me when i was a child and now i'm returning the favor and uh... You do know what I'm talking about, and uh, but my daughter was, uh, the kids are riding their bikes actually, and we came up, and on the uh, little bridge right across from our house, goes over the creek bed, and the water is just crystal clear now. It's just beautiful. There's still a stream trickling through there and probably will most of the summer, and uh, last week about this time, the water was just muddy and dark and clouded, and and uh, they a bunch of new gravel there so we were pushing a couple pieces of gravel and the kids and I and having a big time and the gravel as it go in it would would muddy the water on the other side of the stream I said, uh, I was explaining to them, you know, how last week, why it was so dirty, you know, and I said, the, 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 all the dirt and the, the, the stuff that had been carried down and, and so on and so forth, and I said, but after a while, I said, all that stuff is gone, and I said, it's, it's clean now, and I said, that water is just crystal clear, and we were looking at that, and my, my oldest daughter, Emily, she's seven years old, and she said, she said, Dad, that's just like Jesus' blood. She said, it washes all our sins away. And she said, after that, we're all clean. And I thought, what a blessing. You know, my seven-year-old daughter understands biblical doctrine. That's deep, by the way. That is. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. And I just, I'm so thankful. I don't say that to brag on my daughter. To brag, I brag on my daughter a little bit. But, but what a privilege to have a Christian home. I'm free to teach those principles to my kids. I'm free to bring them to a church where they learn that stuff. And they learn that from their Sunday school teachers and junior church preachers. And what a blessing. What an honor. I just thank God for our nation. I thank God for the privileges we have. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let's go and stand together. Let's go and stand together as we read 11 verses from this chapter. Starting with verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands." For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sign, sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Father, I come to you this morning, and Lord, I'm going to need your help today. Father, there's, there's so much that's on my heart, and Lord, you, you, you've, you've blessed me in this, uh, with this text, with this passage. I pray that today, Father, you'd take the, the, the scripture, take the everlasting principles and truth that are found therein. And, And use them to to permeate the lives and the hearts of, of these people here today. Father, I pray most of all that if there is one single person in this room today that is without Jesus Christ. That today would be their day of salvation. Father, I beg you that they would not leave this room without knowing for sure that heaven's their home. And Lord, they know that because the Bible promises them that. Father, I do beg you as well for Christians. God, I ask that we would have a life that is... That is fitting and that is pleasing to you. I pray that we would desire to grow in grace and Father to grow in our walk and Lord I ask that uh, through it all our lives would proclaim Jesus and that people would see our lives and Father they'd see their need of salvation. Father I pray that you'd use us. I pray that you'd touch our hearts in the next several minutes. I ask this all in Jesus precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, be patient with me this morning. I've got a lot on, on, on my mind as far as this is concerned. I'm praying that when all is said and done, it will make sense, all right? So if, if for a moment you're a little confused, just stick with me and I think you'll get something from this morning's message if you pay attention, amen? We seem to live today in a world that is fake, it seems that the truth is not what's important so much as a soundbite or a perceived reality is. Um, there are literally businesses and companies that are in existence today solely for the purpose of your image. Um, there, are, there are businesses that will give you a good image or perceived reality on the internet. You can pay a company to make sure that positive things are put up about you. We live in a day where fake relationships, virtual, Facebook, Twitter, things along those lines, have become as important as real relationships to us. This world has seemingly become a place where everything is is disposable and to a certain extent just push reset and start again. It seems that in many arenas... This has become the reality. That ought not to be. But sadly, it has invaded even the arena of faith. In many ways today, faith has become fake. It's become a plasticky substitute for the real thing. A veneer that when chipped at, reveals no real substance. Yet here in 2 Timothy... And in verse number 5, Paul, the apostle, is praising a family. He's not only praising Timothy, he's also praising Timothy's grandmother Lois and Timothy's mother Eunice for having a faith that is real, not fake. For having a faith that is real and has not been substituted for the real thing, but it is genuine, it is heartfelt, and it is real. I think that's remarkable. This morning, I I want to talk about having a real faith. And I want to ask you the question, do you have real, tangible faith? Timothy's family is commended for that simple fact. That word unfeigned, it means not fake, not put on. And and I wonder, again, today, folks, we we live in a a society, in a culture, where, where it's almost as everything is put on. Everybody kind of puts on that 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 fake veneer and, and, and they pretend and they pretend to be nice to you yet they go behind your back and, and cut you down. They, they they pretend to be your friend and then they, they are, and, and we live in a culture that is just is just it's it's just fake. It's not real and we we've we've embraced that reality sad to say and and this morning i want to i want to i want to i want to push all that nonsense away i want to push all that, that 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 veneer of 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 plasticky substitutes as far as our faith is concerned and i, I want to ask you the question do you have a faith that is real before i i get to to where i'm going i want to mention though There are three things, and many things, but three things I've narrowed it down to that I will not ask you about concerning whether your faith is real or not. I will not ask if your faith is perfect. Somehow we have gotten in our minds that unless our our lives and our faith is perfect, we don't have real faith. That is not so. I will not ask this morning concerning whether your faith is real or not, have you failed? Have you failed? many people today somehow associate with failing in the Christian life as failing in our faith. That is not the case. The last thing I will not ask you about concerning whether your faith is real or not is if you struggle. (laughs) Folks, I've never met a single Christian in my life that has not struggled to live a Christian life. If it's not a struggle, you're not living a Christian life. You're lying to yourself. You say, oh, I, I don't have any problems. I remember years ago, I, after I'd first become pastor, I, I preached a message on duty and just simply doing right because it's right. And sometimes there's an inner struggle that happens within. And boy, the Bible talks about that in so many different passages. Galatians 5, to me, is, is the, mo- the, the best well-known. And the fact that the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. Sometimes doing right is hard. Because the flesh doesn't want to do right. Yes, and every single one of us in this room has a whole lot of the flesh attached to us, amen? Some more than others. And, and, and folks, understand, you'll, you'll get that later, amen? That'll sink in. Um, I'm sorry, folks. I'm in one of those moods. I really am. That's good. But we have to understand, there's a battle that's going on within us. And, and people who say it's not a struggle aren't, aren't being honest. That lady that I mentioned, you thought I forgot where I was going, and that lady came out after I preached that message on duty and just simply doing right because it's right. said, oh, I I don't struggle in my Christian life. And I was in my late 20s at the time, and and I'll be honest with you, I've I've mellowed a little bit since I've gotten to be in my 30s, a little bit. But I I wanted to just reach out and touch her in Jesus' name. I, I just wanted to say, are you kidding me? You've reached a level where you no longer struggle with the Christian life. That's not so. I mean, the Apostle Paul, the finest Christian, I think, ever to walk the face of the planet, struggled with the Christian life. And if the Apostle Paul struggled and Moses struggled and David struggled and Peter struggled, I think quite honestly, brother, that means we are all going to struggle. Now, don't get me wrong. All things are possible through Jesus Christ that loves me. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And I praise God for those verses that tell me that in the spirit of God, I can please God, I can serve God, I can walk with God. But I want to tell you something this morning. I don't want to ask you, I don't want you thinking this morning, well, I, 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 Pastor, I just don't know if my faith is real because I struggle with it sometimes. Well, brother, welcome to the party. I'm sorry, that's a part of the Christian life. So I'm not going to ask you this morning if your faith is perfect. I'm not going to ask you if you have ever failed in your faith. You have heard of the Apostle Peter, who not only denied Christ, but cursed Christ. I think he failed. And I'm not going to ask you if you ever struggle in your faith. But I do want to ask you this morning, is your faith real? Is your faith real? And I'm going to ask you three simple questions to help you answer that question. And we're going to use this text. In verse 7, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If your faith is real, it will drive you to have a proper spirit. Does your faith drive you to have a proper spirit this morning? You see, before we ever get to the exterior of a man... We need to deal with the interior of a man. The heart of the matter in Christianity is a matter of the heart. And true Christianity this morning is a heart matter. You say, well, pastor, does the outside matter? Absolutely. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But if the outside Christianity is not an outcropping of a proper spirit, then your Christianity is fake. And it's a fraud. It's a veneer you have put up. And let's face it, many people today have a Fake type of Christianity. They walk inside the doors of that church and all of a sudden church face goes on. How you doing, brother? You haven't used that word since last Sunday. Oh, I've been praying for you, sister. You haven't prayed since last Sunday, and you haven't used sister since last Sunday. No, I oh oh, I love Jesus and, and boy, we know how to say the right things and do the right things and Amen at the right spot and stand and and wear that tie and we can put on that fake veneer. And I'm going to tell you something today. I am not going to talk to you for the next couple minutes about the outside. We're going to talk in several minutes about that. But before we ever get to the outside of a person, we need to deal with the heart of the person. And God says, I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. Hey, my friend today, how is your heart? doing in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 26 Solomon wrote to his son and he said my son give me thine heart and I'm going to tell you something folks today what God wants from you is your heart he's not after anything other than your heart and you say well well, what about all the other things we're supposed to obey and the things we're supposed to do and the things we're not supposed to do I'm going to tell you something if God has your heart those things don't become an issue Religion starts with the exterior of a man. But Christianity starts with the interior of a man. In Deuteronomy in chapter 6, in verse 4, the Bible says, Hear, O Lord, or hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And he says, Serve the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Jesus, when he walked on this planet for 33 years, was asked a very simple question. He was asked what was the greatest commandment of all. And in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, he answered that question. He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. And then he says in soul and strength and mind and so on and so forth, depending on the passage. But I want you to understand here is the first thing he says is, I want you to love me with all of your heart. All of your heart. Not all of your thoughts. Your heart not all of your actions your heart I want you to love me with all of your heart and my friend this morning if I could just get you to understand how important this is because Christianity does not result in what I look like out here Christianity results in what I am inside of me and understand the importance of that we got a lot of people today who know how to play Joe Christian They can walk into a church building and they can fit right in. They can assimilate into the congregation and literally look and act and talk and be like one of them. But may I ask you, my friend, is that what you are inside? And I'm not asking you if you struggle. I'm not asking if you fail. I'm not asking if your faith is perfect. I'm asking today is your faith real? Is it real? Because inside your heart, you should know. Is the person you are on the outside today, the person you are on the inside at home? You see, the Bible says, God hath given us a spirit, and is my spirit proper with the Lord? And my friend, today, that ought to make some of us go home and look into that perfect law of liberty, and look in that mirror that is the holiness of God, and say, God, am I real to you? Because God, my friend, does see our heart. I don't know about you, but that does make me a little nervous. God knows the thoughts and intents of my heart and my mind. And again, I'm not asking you if you struggle. God's not angry at you because you struggle with the Christian life. But I do think God is angry at some of us because we are liars. Liars. You say, well, Pastor, are you, are you calling me a liar? Are you calling me a fake? I'm not calling you anything. Is God calling you one? Is your heart right now accusing you? It's not my job to, to walk amongst the crowd and to say you're a fake and you're real and you're real and you're not. That's not my job. That's God's. And that's between you and him. And this morning, my friend, I just, I, 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 is your faith real? What kind of spirit resides in you? You see, it's a matter of the heart. Have you just tried to fit in outwardly? Or, my friend, has it been an inner conversion? You see, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The inner man. The inner man. Secondly, this morning, if your faith is real it will drive you to be a good testimony for the Lord. Verse number 8, Paul writes to Timothy. He says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Does it drive you to be a good testimony for the Lord? This is a tough question. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Don't you be ashamed of God's testimony. Don't you be ashamed of me, his prisoner. You know, there's a lot of Christians today who are ashamed to be a Christian. I didn't say they're ashamed that they are Christians inside. I said they're ashamed to be a Christian. I'm going to tell you something. Paul was not in prison because he said he believed on Jesus in his heart. Paul was in prison because he said, not only have believed that Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again for my sin, but I believe that Jesus Christ is worth living for. And Paul, the apostle, walked not out on the Jewish religion, but he said the Jewish religion cannot send a man to heaven. The only thing that can send a man to heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ, and only His blood can wash away your sin. And the Jews said, no, we'll continue with our sacrifices, and we'll continue with our slaying of animals, and we'll continue with our offerings. And Paul said that is wrong. Then they put him into prison. somehow today we've, we've lost the ability to understand that if we're truly born again then it should reflect you say well I don't want to talk about that you know, uh, in my private life is my private life Paul said Timothy does your faith drive you to have a testimony that is pleasing to the Lord My friend, this morning, may I ask you, do you strive to have a testimony that says, I'm God's child? Well, well, you you, you, you 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 don't want everybody thinking you're a Christian. No, I do. You you don't want people thinking you're one of those religious nuts. Yes, I do. You, You don't want people to think that you're like that. I do, folks. And I don't do that out of pride, and I don't do that out of arrogance, and I don't do that to lift myself up. I do that to point others to Him. My Savior can transform your life. Amen? And folks, I believe that with all of my heart. And I wish today that a lot of good people who say they've accepted Christ in their heart would say, my faith drives me to be a good testimony. And that is why I live the way I live. And that is why I do the right things. And that is why I strive to please God. Folks, do you understand today? I don't do what I do out of legalism and out of law. I do not have to come to church to go to heaven. I do not have to dress properly to go to heaven. I do not have to listen to the right music to go to heaven. I do it because I want to please him. I'm not sitting underneath the bondage of the law. I'm not saying, God, if I'm good and I do this and I do that, would you please accept me? He already did. He took me in my sin and he washed me with his blood and he redeemed me and he brought me into a relationship with his father. And today, my friend, I don't do what I do out of legalism. I do what I do out of liberty. The apostle Paul was a man who understood Christian liberty. And he said, I do not live the way that I live because I have to. He said, I bring my body under subjection. He said, I choose to live a Christian God-fearing, righteous life to be a testimony. You see, Paul was a prisoner because he took a tangible, visible stand for the Lord. Paul talked properly. He walked properly. He dressed properly. He visibly took a stand because he was not ashamed of the testimony of his Lord and Savior. And it seems that we have a number of people today who try to hide their Christian testimony by being nothing more than a mere reflection of the world. And my friend today, I have not been called as a child of God to be like the world, but to be like Christ inwardly and outwardly. You say, oh, Pastor, but but I have Christian liberty. You just said it. Me too. But I choose, as Paul did, To bring my body under subjection so that I may be an example of a godly man. So that my testimony may scream, I am a child of God. I'm going to share two very brief stories and I hope that you understand. Folks, what we don't understand in our Christian life is sometimes God allows difficult times as the lady sang about. Sometimes God allows us to fail. Sometimes God allows us to fall. May I tell you something? A man that fails and gets up has a greater testimony than a man who has never failed because a man that has never failed has never tried. And I tell you today, you and I need to try to live the Christian life. Is it going to be a struggle? Yes, is it going to be times of failure? Yes, but what greater pursuit could a man or woman have than to desire to be as Jesus was? I mean, folks, I desire to be a shining light that is willing to give himself for the glory of my Savior. I want my life to matter. I don't, I don't, I don't care what Tom Cruise thinks. I don't care what Katie Holmes thinks. I don't care what some Hollywood or music pervert thinks. I care what Jesus thinks. And it's about time today that we understand I live my life to please Him. This week one of our men came to me. And I never share the man's name. But he had failed. He had fallen in his Christian walk. Anybody else ever experienced that? Boy, some of you are really good Christians. You get an F for participation in class. (laughs) No, quite frankly, I never have. I don't know what you're talking about. Good, good. Come talk to me the next time you do, amen? We'll sell you the tape to this message. But he said, I've fallen. That's okay. Let me tell you what you do. Number one, you get up. Number two, you own up to what you did. Then you apologize, let me say it again, then you apologize, let me say it again, then you apologize, and then you go on. Can I tell you that is real? Can I tell you that is reality? Can I tell you that is the the nuts and bolts of real faith? Real faith is not saying, I am your fearless leader, I am Moses, I have never failed. Moses, we saw you fail. Yes, you did, I was wrong. David, have you ever failed? I mean, folks, understand something. One of the reasons the Bible's inspired and the reasons I know it's true is because it includes the failures of multiple men and women that are godly and good and that are pointed to us for examples to follow. And it shows us their sin and it shows us their failures. Why? Because they went, boom, right on their face. Let's face it. Who in this room hasn't done some beautiful face plants in the Christian life? Amen? Amen. I mean, we have just been riding high. Everything's been good. We've been t- trying to have a good testimony. Our marriage is on solid ground. We haven't had a fight in 27 hours, and everything is good. And then we go, doosh. And what you do is you get up, and you own up. You own it. You apologize, and you go on. That's real. Oh, We, we never fight in our marriage. That's because you're not married. I'm telling you right now. We haven't had a fight in 27 years. That's because he lives in that house and you live in this house. I'm sorry. That's not reality. Oh, our children never do things like that. Really? I mean, your kids don't go out of their way to embarrass you in public. Sure they do. Yes, they do. That's children. Amen? Praise God for them, but that's what they do. They don't misbehave at home in private. They misbehave in public. They wait till you're in the middle of Walmart to throw that monster fit. Amen? Any of you poor mamas ever been taking your kid through Walmart and all of a sudden, the world falls apart. And it's either associated with the cereal aisle or the toy aisle. My wife doesn't even go to the toy section anymore in Walmart. The kids love going with me to Walmart because they know we're going to the toys. That's the only spot I go. I could care less about groceries, man. Just go to McDonald's. I don't care. You know, money will grow on trees. Whatever. I don't care. But I don't want But man, you take a kid to the, gro- the, 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 the cereal aisle at the supermarket, and you're, you're asking for, for, for a fight, aren't you? Yeah, I want that kind. It's kind of fun just to go through that. Go without your children, but just walk down that aisle and just smile at people. Hi. Hi. Good luck on that one. Even offer a kid one sometime. Hey, you want this one? You know, I mean, have some fun with it. But folks, I, I'm sorry. We are going to fail, amen? Our, our, our children, we're going to, you ever failed with your kids? Man, the other day I was, I, was, I was disciplining my daughter, and she got me so riled up. And I know none of you have ever done this, but I, I said something her I shouldn't have said. I didn't curse at her. I didn't swear. But I said something I ought not to have said. I had to apologize to my 7-year-old daughter and said, Daddy shouldn't have said that the way he said it. I was wrong. That's humbling. I don't want to apologize to a 7-year-old twit. And at the moment, she was being a 7-year-old twit. But I'm going to tell you something. That's real. That's real faith. Real faith says, "Hey, I was wrong. It doesn't matter if you're above me or below me." Well, I am your superior. I have been a Christian longer than you have. Well, la dee da. Wrong still wrong, and right still right. Well, but 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 I've been saved for 20 years. I, I you should under no no you were wrong. I was in Bible college. 15, 20 years ago, and uh, served in a sailor ministry. And every weekend we go up to Great Lakes Naval Base. And uh, the man who ran, ran the ministry, his name was Bob Hooker. He's been here once and preached. And Brother Hooker, he ran that ministry. Did a wonderful job. Really had a good rapport with the young fellows. And but we'd bring them down. We'd br- we'd go up to the naval base, invite them, and then they'd come down for the weekend. They would come down Saturday morning, spend Saturday night, come to church Sunday morning, and then we'd feed them, and they'd go home Sunday afternoon or Sunday night, depending on their schedules and so on and so forth. Well, what we did to get them down, to entice them to come down, you know, we just didn't say, hey, come to church. We said, hey, we got a sports league, and then we go to church. All right? And that's what we did. But they'd come down for the sports league, and in the fall and in the early winter, we'd play football. Well, Brother Hooker had been a walk-on at Memphis University and had had really done well and had, had, had starred to a certain extent. So he liked football. He was in his 40s at the time and still very athletic, still very capable, still head and shoulders above most of the young men and most of the workers that were there. Well, one evening, as we're playing, and, 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 and you guys have played football before. In fact, we, we, we do it on occasion, and then we have to stop it because somebody gets carried away. But that night, Brother Hooker, the leader of the ministry, got into it with a 20-year-old sailor. This 20-year-old sailor thought he was, you know, rocky, and he thought he was going to take, I mean, just, and he went at it. Brother Hooker lost his cool. Strong man. We saw that that night. He almost killed that kid. You know, and as, again, I'm, I'm 21 years old myself. Kill him, man. Have at it. It's great. Fight, fight. You know, every, everything got under control. He stopped himself before anything got really carried away. And we finished the game. Well, on Saturday night, after all the games were done, Brother Hooker would preach the gospel to all of the sailors that were there. That would be anywhere between 35 and 75 guys. That night, though, he started a little differently. He said, I have no right to speak to you fellas until I do one thing. He called that young fella up, and that kid was a punk. I'll say that for him. But he called him up, and he said, I need to apologize to you, son. He said, I had no right to act. And the kid at that point, he just, he melted. I, I was counting, know, I was doing it too. He said, no, I was wrong. He said, will you forgive me? That night, more sailors got saved than pretty much any other night. Can I tell you why? Cuz faith was real. You see, you say well, 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 you know, you know, I I just I just can't possibly live the Christian life. My friend, you can live the Christian life. You're going to struggle. Yes, you're going to fail. No, it's not going to be perfect, but you can live the Christian life. I'm going to tell you something that makes faith real. It makes faith real when you say, "Brother, I'm sorry. I messed up. It's my fault." And you say, whoa, that ain't like everybody else. Everybody else pretends like nothing happened. And folks, this is why Christianity gets a black eye, because we pretend like we're perfect. We're not perfect. We're just striving to be like Christ. And sometimes we fall short. And my friend, this morning, would you understand, does your faith drive you to have a better testimony for Christ? Thirdly, We see this in verse number 8 as well. Does your faith drive you to suffer patiently for the gospel if necessary? Paul writes, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Does your faith drive you to suffer patiently for the gospel if necessary? I'm going to make a statement, and I'm going to qualify that in a moment, but... Nobody knows what they really believe until it's tested. You can say you believe something, and that's good, and you should. My friend, you don't know what you believe until it's tested. When you've been called a Bible thumper or a hypocrite, do you quit? When the door is slammed in your face for trying to share the gospel, do you quit? When your family makes fun of you or forsakes you, do you quit? When you lose a friend for simply standing for truth, do you quit? When you are struck on the cheek, do you turn the other or do you quit? When you are misunderstood, do you quit? Let me say this, Christian young people. There's going to be some times in your life when you're going to be misunderstood by mama and daddy and by pastor and by Sunday school teacher, and don't you dare think you have a right to quit. I'm weary, young people. Well, 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 they jump to conclusions. Brother, we've all jumped to conclusions a couple times, and I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent, but what I am saying is don't you dare quit because of a little oppression. When you feel forsaken by your Christian brothers and sisters, do you quit? You see, if there is something that can make you quit, chances are Satan will exhaust himself to make it happen. Do you understand that? You see, does your faith drive you to suffer patiently if the need arises? That means when when there's a little pressure put on. When your feet are put to the fire. Folks, I don't care what kind of faith you have when everything is good. It's easy to have faith then. Folks, it's easy for me to have faith right now. The rain isn't falling, the road's there, my wife's healthy, my daughter's healthy, God's taken care of us, He's provided. Faith is really easy right now. But when God takes those things away, and God allows things to befall you in your life. That's when you find out what kind of faith you have. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't believe the guy that sits next to me in the choir said that about me. Is your faith real or not? Well, you, you, but, 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 but I thought he was my friend. Is your faith real or not? Well, you don't understand. I mean, I, I can't believe someone would, 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 would take advantage. I thought they were my friend. Is your faith real or not? Folks, my faith, if it's real, doesn't depend on you. It depends on him. You say, but, but you don't understand. No, my friend, I do understand. But when a little heat got applied, you ran the other direction, and you quit, and you said, Enough. And I'm done. And I'm out of here. And I I want—I just—I don't ever want to deal with it again, brother. That's not real faith. Real faith says, "Hey, when you have a difference of opinions, you can look each other in the eye and you can love each other as brothers or sisters in Christ, and you can have a proper relationship." Hey, they should apologize to me, brother. They don't owe you nothing. What you need to understand is you should already forgiven them in Jesus Christ, for God's sake. You say, but, but, but pastor, I, I have a right, brother. We have no right to have a faith that is not real. My faith must be real. And I know that when my feet are put to the fire, when a little pressure is put on my shoulders. Am I willing to suffer patiently? Am I willing to be a partaker of the afflictions? You know, scripturally, and please turn your cell phones off, help me with that. Scripturally, Paul tells us that some of his harshest critics were preachers of the gospel. Some of his harshest critics happened to sit on elder boards in the church in Jerusalem. Some of his harshest critics should have been his biggest supporters. But Paul's faith was unfeigned, it was real. We used to sing the song often around here I have decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. And my friend this morning, could I ask you, if God were to write another book of Second Timothy? And this one was about your family. What would he say. Concerning your faith. Would he say. I thank God for the unfading Faith that is in you. And that is in your child. I thank God for the, the, the reality of it. I thank God that it drives you. To have a heart for God. That it drives you. To have a testimony that is pleasing to him. And that it. Drives you to suffer patiently if necessary. Folks, this morning, again, I wish I could do a better job of getting this truth across. But is my faith real? Is it real? So many people today, they look at Christianity and say, oh, they're a bunch of of fakes. By the grace of God, this fellow's won't be. By the grace of God, there's going to be a congregation out here who says, "My faith is real." Tested? Yes. Struggle at times? Yes. Less than perfect? Yes, but real. But real. Genuine, true, heartfelt. It's not a substitute. It's not, it's not I don't come to church saying, "Make me happy, make me smile." I come to church saying, "Give me the word of God." And my friend this morning. May we be known as a people of faith. Let's go and stand to our feet. This morning, I've, I've challenged Christians in this room to have a faith that is real. My friend, may I say to you, without Christ, nothing else matters. You can't have a true faith unless you're based on the rock that is Jesus. And My friend, if you're here today and I were to ask you personally if you know for sure, 100%, that heaven's your home, if I were to ask you that question and your answer is less than an enthusiastic yes, man, get it taken care of today. God, 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 God gave salvation to mankind because He loves us. And He offers that to you today. And my friend, if the Lord is tugging on your heart, if He's telling you something right now, I beg you, during the invitation, you just come forward and get my attention. I'll have someone who knows the Bible show you from the Word of God how you can be born again. Don't pass that offer up. I'll deal with you personally if you want me to. You know for sure that you're, you're saved, that heaven's your home. Don't walk out without that. God promises that in this book. That's not Baptist. That's, that's biblical. And my friend today, may we have a faith that is real. Pastor, I just feel like I can't live the Christian life. <laughs> it's okay. Push on. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in you, in that inner man. How's your spirit? Desire to have a proper testimony. And then when the fires of life are put to you, don't be driven away. As the answers begin to play, if the Lord says something on your heart, you come to the altar. Folks, thank you for being in the service this morning. Let's let's determine in our hearts and in our lives to have a faith that is real. Our world needs to be touched by that. Not by some flashy, neon, no problems, everything's easy, false, fake Christianity. But by something that says it's real and it's true. And it's the best life you could ever hope. That's what we need to show the world. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have one of our fellows come up and close us.